Okay, so Be'ezrus Hashem, we're going to be looking at the, the next two midos of the cycle of Tiferes, uh, which we started yesterday in Chesed Shabit Tiferes. And we're going to be looking at tomorrow's midah and the subsequent day's midah of Gvura Shabit Tiferes, followed by Tiferes Shabit Tiferes. So strength, discipline within beauty, and then beauty within beauty, harmony within beauty. And we're going to look at what, what those ideas are. So a great segue from yesterday's Mida, which was the idea that beauty is alive, that each detail of beauty is expressive of the Olam Chesed Yibane that Hashem desired to create. And we looked at this Medrash Tanchuma yesterday where we found that when Avraham Avinu davened for the entire world, Hashem described him as a Yafiafita mi bnei Adam, the most beautiful from all of mankind, the embodiment of this Tiferes. But the Medrash continues, I left out the end of the Medrash because it's a beautiful segue into today's Mida, where Avraham Avinu says back to Hashem, he says, Eze yofi shali, what beauty do I even have? After all, he says, Ani uveni nichnasim la'ir, me and my son Yitzchak go into a city, ve'en bnei Adam akirin ve'en av le'ben. And nobody can tell the difference between father and son. Right? We know that Avraham and Yitzchak, they looked identical to this point. And so Hashem said to him, that's a great idea. From you I'm going to start. You'll be the first one to have old age. And it says that he went to sleep that night. He woke up in the morning and he saw that he had grown long white hair and a white beard. So he said to Hashem, you made, a, you made a sign out of me. You made me into like the messenger. And Hashem said to him, it wasn't a punishment. A teres tiferet seva. A crown of splendor is old age, is a, is a long gray beard. So what is that idea? What is, what is Hashem telling Avraham? Well, so the first step is that Avraham is saying is that if, if I'm indifferentiable from another person, then I don't actually express beauty. So beauty has to be unique, has to be differentiated. If we're all beautiful, then we're not beautiful, right? You know, if it's, you know, like the kindergarten teachers, yeah, you're all so unique and everyone's so special. If everyone's special, then nobody's special. We're all generically special. So there's got to be something that stands out in us, that makes us unique. And in being unique, we have our own unique confluence of beauty within ourselves. The harmony that we express has that captivating quality, right? If it was always that perfect spring evening with this, you know, the breeze waving through and the sun glimmering through the branches of the freshly blossoming trees, it wouldn't strike us with the same power that it does. And that's because of the meaning of Gvura Shibitiferis, that there needs to be restraint within beauty. There needs to be that not everything has beauty within it. Things are held back. And that's one important aspect of the Mida. Uh, Another aspect of the Mida, which is critical to understand, is that all beauty, all judgment, even when we see gvura being expressed in the world, everything is motivated by an underlying beauty and a love, as we saw that Tiferet is also described synonymously with Rachamim. And so the Ramchal writes about this in Das Tvunos, where he says that, gives the example that he says, the, when Hashem rebukes the Jewish people and he criticizes us and he even inflicts us, it's not coming from a retributional standpoint. He's not trying to destroy us. 
And to say he, he's rebuking us directly out of love, the way that a father rebukes their child. As he brings the Pasach, And as we say, He says that the rebuke, the criticism, the critique comes directly from love. It's not that even though I love you, I have to rebuke you. It's because I love you. Therefore, I'm rebuking you. Because I love you, I can't just support every ridiculous idea and involvement that you find yourself in. There's got to be some filtering that happens. And gvurot in beauty, in harmony, means that if you are truly going to express beauty and you're, you are going to be an expression of the synthesis of all the different aspects of yourself, there's got to be some filtering happening. There's got to be restraint. There's got to be discipline. And so he says, this is what it means in the Pasuk, where it says, musteret, that beautiful is uh, exposed rebuke when it comes from an underlying love, an undercurrent of love. And uh, beautifully, I'll just throw this in parenthetically, the Rabbeinu Bachia, when he brings this Pasuk at, at, uh, in his Chumash commentary, he says that ahava musteret is a code word for the Shechina. It's a code word for God's presence. That this notion that there's an underlying love is the very nature of what we mean when we're talking about Hashem's presence. But it's only when you sense it, when it's coming out in some sort of rebuke, that somebody cares enough about you to monitor your life, to keep your life in check. And so that's why there's a, an amazing Gemara, which says, uh, sorry, it's a, it's a Sifra, where the different Amoraim, different Tanaim rather, are talking about the concept of Tochacha. And the Sifra says an amazing thing. Rabbi Tarfon stands up and says, I swear to you, Ha'avodah, there's nobody in our generation who can handle rebuke anymore. It doesn't exist. No one can take it. And Rabbi Lazar says, I swear to you, Ha'avodah, that there's no one who knows how to, how to give Tochacha anymore. Nobody is not only can receive Tochacha, no one can even give Tochacha. And Rabbi Akiva says, Ha'avodah, I swear to you, nobody even knows how to rebuke anymore. Even if someone was able to receive it, and even if somebody was able to give it, nobody knows how. And so there's no possibility for rebuke anymore. Stands up Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri in the room, in the academy, and he says, I take an oath by the heavens and the earth. Me'ideni alai shamayim va'aretz. She'yotar me'arba'a v'chamisha pa'amim laka akiva al-yadid lifnei Rabbi Gamliel. He says that I, I call earth and heaven as witnesses to me. That more than four or five times, uh, Rebbe Akiva received lashes because of me in the presence of Rebbe Gamliel. Because I would complain to Rebbe Gamliel about him. I would say, Akiva is you know, the troublemaker. He's acting up again. And Rebbe Gamliel would come and, and administer him rebuke. The kol kachayiti yodea. And through all of this I knew, shahaya mosifli ahava that he loved me all the more for it. And this, Rabbi Yochanan Benuri was saying, was how you can tell that he was ready for rebuke. Because he understood that the only reason, he wasn't a tattletale, he wasn't going to Rabbi Gamliel because he wanted to score points with the, with the rabbi in charge. Rabbi Akiva recognized that if you love me, you'll rebuke me. That you'll step in and you'll say, why are you doing that? Why are you harming yourself? I love you too much to let you run amok and not be in your life to criticize you and to direct you. 
And so uh, Rav Kook writes in, in the Shmona Kvatsim, in his journal, he says a, a powerful point about feeling that discipline within one's life, feeling like you're being pushed down on a spiritual level when you feel like you're kind of underwater, when you've kind of found yourself in a rut and it's difficult to dig yourself out. He says that it's in particularly within those low places that a person needs to find the beauty. Those are the places where you dig up the incredible amounts of beauty. And his language is so profound. He says, When a person feels a falling within themselves, that they've descended, because of a, a weak spirit, or being put in his place through rebuke, Yasim Elibo, you need to set your heart. That from within those depths, you need to gather and collect precious pearls. That it's only in the deepest places that you find precious stones. Collect those beautiful things that you find down there and bring them back up to the surface. And you will renew your strength with gvura. Because it's through that gevura, through the discipline, through the hardship, you will find that beauty. Even stronger and more resilient than you were before. The same is true when it comes to a generation as a whole. And with entire iterations of humankind. When we find ourselves in low places, we need to recognize that we're being directed. We're, that the mishpat that we're experiencing is a direct result of a deep ahava, of an ava musteret, which underlies the entire flow of creation. And then it's directing us towards harmony. Let's move on to, because I'm sensitive to time, we're going to move on to the following day's midah. So we're ahead of the game for Sunday. And we're going to look at the midah of tiferet, shebetiferet, beauty within beauty. What does that mean? So we've already referenced the Mishnah and Pirkei Avos back when we saw Tiferes in the iteration of Gevura. We saw that Rabbi Yehuda Nasi told all of the Jewish people that when a person is considering what path they should choose in life, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi told us it's whatever is beautiful for the one who is performing it, and beautiful for him amongst mankind as a whole. So there's two levels of tiferet that Rabbi Yehuda Nasi is describing. There's personal harmony, where a person finds synthesis and integrity within the various components of their own self. And then there's the beauty of how you plug that beauty into the collective, into the klal, where you don't just live as a beautiful island in the middle of the ocean, but you become part of a society and you plug in your beauty to be integrated within the larger picture. So you could be a fully synthesized individual finding harmony between all the various aspects of yourself. But if that clashes with the people that you're surrounded by, with your host culture, with your community, then it's not the ideal. And what Beauty Shiba Beauty says, what Tiferes Shiba Tiferes is teaching us is that harmony needs to be synthesized within a larger picture. For it to be truly harmonious, 
It needs to be nested within a larger scale of beauty. That one aspect of beauty speaks of the beauty at large. And it's also a sense that we have, right? We mentioned this in yesterday's year, how when a person sees a beautiful flower, a beautiful sunset, something that strikes them as beautiful, it speaks to them about the condition of the world. We don't just sense that, well, if you see this beautiful flower, I guess there's just one beautiful thing in the universe. We sense that if there's a beautiful flower, it's a beautiful world, that somehow the entire world is lit up by that beauty, that the beauty speaks of the fact that it's everywhere, that it's part of the Anhagas Hashem. And, uh, and Rav Kook says this beautifully. It's such a profound language, he says, where he says, Ein margishim et yofi shel olam. A person does not sense the beauty of the world. Only to the extent that they have that beauty within their own soul. In other words, it's only to the extent that you are beautiful, that you can sense the beauty within the world at large. That's an incredible idea to realize that the beauty that is expressed in the world, and I think it probably goes both ways. If you see beauty in the world, that means that there's beauty within you that's allowing you to see that. Now, this is expressed um, also in another idea where we say, that if we realize that every single person has beauty within themselves and has that unique iteration, we, we can't stop there. We need to realize that all of those various aspects of beauty that we see themselves need to achieve harmony between one another. And so there's a very powerful line in the Zohar where Rabbi Abba tells us that love and camaraderie, harmony between Talmidei Chachamim, between people who learn Torah together, is of the essence for the learning experience. And its language is extremely powerful. And probably this is Nogea for the time of the year that we're in right now, the Sviras, you know, the Sviras Omer, when we're dealing with the death of the Tamidi Rabbi Akiva, Shalonagu, Kavod Zelazeh. Rabbi Abba says, Kol halalu all friends and colleagues, you know, it's people who learn together, who don't love one another, they leave the world before their proper time. In other words, they'll die prematurely. To that extent, Rabbi Abba says, that's how severe it is to study with another person without love bonding the two people together. And he says, goes on and says, all of the, the colleagues who were living in the time of Rabbi Shimon, who were connected into that group, all of them had love at the level of their souls, bonding one another. And it's for that very reason that was, there was such a revelation of Torah in the era of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. That's why they were Zoha to those levels of exposure of, of Torah's Nistar. Because Rabbi Shimon used to tell his students, says Rabbi Abba, that if, if you don't love one another, you're going to cause people to not go on the Derech Yeshara. People are not going to be living on the right path. They're going to be running all over the place, right? You see this today. How many people went through an education system where they were given the data, right? They were presented Torah every single day, but it wasn't infused with a love and a passion and an excitement for the, each other, for the individuals, for life as a whole. 
How many people felt heartbroken, were sent off the path as a result of that? We see that love is critical for the experience of Torah to have the impact that it's most that it's meant to have. And he continues and says that not only do you cause a person by not infusing your learning with Torah, do you cause a person to end off off the path? But it says not only that you're going to harm them. Torah itself is infused with love, brotherhood, and truth. And that's why it's a family endeavor. He goes on to say, Avraham loved Yitzchak and gave over that love. Yitzchak loved Yaakov and Avraham loved Yaakov. And it became a triple bond connecting the families and generations in a loving endeavor. Torah is, is by necessity, needs to be experienced as love and connectivity that each person finds that bridge between each other. And so I'll just close with the, uh, an amazing line that the Orach HaShulchan writes in, in the Hakdama, where he describes that the beauty of Torah is the camaraderie of voices that come together in a harmonious um, combination of different opinions and ideas, and that Machloket itself, when done properly, is supposed to be a manifestation of this Kuvurah. The Aruch Shulchan writes in, in his Akdama as follows. He says, All of the different disagreements amongst the Tanaim, the Amoraim, the Geonim, all of the Poskim. In truth, he says, if a person understands, they're all Elu Ve'elu Divrei Elukim Chaim. And he says, not only is it that they can all kind of get along, he says, Ad on the contrary, It is the very fact that we have Machlokas that is the tiferet, the beauty of our Torah. Because kola Torah kula nikres shir. All of the Torah is called a song. Have you ever heard a song, or, you know, a, a, a beautiful song where all of the singing was on the same point? There was no harmony going on? That wouldn't be striking you as the power of song that music is meant to have. The whole idea of song, he says, tiferet hashir hi kesha kolos b'shunim zemizeh. The whole beauty of music is when you have different voices harmonizing together. Different octaves, right? You got the melody, you got the harmony, you've got different instruments. They don't sound the same. And that's exactly what makes it beautiful. The very fact that they're different, but that they can come together and create this beautiful harmony together. It's that very thing which makes it beautiful. And he says that anyone who swims in the in the sea of the Talmud knows that beauty and that that incredible sweetness from all the variety of voices and how they come together in that harmony. And so we need to walk away from, as we go over this weekend, the feelings of Gvura Shibiti Feres, feeling that, A, I have a unique beauty and that every single detail of creation has its own unique, distinct beauty to it. And that, B, the fact that sometimes as a result of beauty, as a result of love, of rachamim, comes discipline. And indeed, that's the only healthy discipline that can come. Only when it's motivated by an ava musteret. And then finally, as we go into Sunday's midah, to realize that it's not enough for a person to find synthesis and harmony within themselves and to recognize their own unique beauty, but it has to be tiferet lo seha, but also tiferet lo min adam and that they must plug back into the larger picture of a society. And that has to translate into the way that we learn Torah. It has to be that when we learn Torah with people, there's an underlying love 
that connects us with one another. And that we're not just learning a dry intellectual study, but we're sharing in my separations together. And we're connecting one soul to another together. And that there's a powerful bonding and a yearning and a passion that connects all of us. And that it's only to the extent that we have that beauty within ourselves that we can find the bridges in order to connect beyond ourselves into the life of another human being and ultimately into creation as a whole. So wishing you a, a beautiful Shabbos, a Shabbos infused with the Tiferes of Maise Bereshis. We should all be Zoha to recognize our own beauty, the harmony that is the connection between all the parts of ourselves and Mir Tashem be able to bridge the gaps between our own Tiferes and the Tiferes that we find in the world around us. So good Shabbos. Thanks so much for sharing. And um, we'll see you all next week. All right, guys. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos.